You're listening to The Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up and receive a $50 welcome bonus using the promo code CASINO50. For the show, man, how you doing? Jason, great to be with you. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Um, tell me, like, I looked at the numbers, you know, Cairo, and everybody remembers Cairo's comment. It was probably blown out of proportion a little bit. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's performed very well. The Blues are winning. Have you, like, was there systemic changes? Is it more just a different voice that he's connected with guys? What's been the difference since Bannister came in? I think there's been a little bit of change, but but not a ton, um, to be honest with you. I think the new voice, I mean, we've seen that from, you know, it's almost like history repeating itself, Jason. Like, we've seen this over and over again now here in St. Louis. I mean, you go back to when uh, Andy Murray took over. The team had a crazy run. They ended up making the playoffs, I think, of the second year. First year, they almost made the playoffs. Davis Payne got a contract extension. No one even knew who he was. And he got um, – when Andy Murray got fired, I think Davis Payne got – he was coaching the American League team at the time. So they brought him up, similar to how they uh, brought up Drew Bannister – and, you know, Ken Hitchcock won the Jack Adams after taking over in season. Craig Berube won the Stanley Cup, taking over in season. So this isn't that unusual here in St. Louis. We've seen this before. Uh, you know, Craig Berube obviously had a lot of success here. But I, I think sometimes um, a new voice can be good. And you just use Jordan Cairo as an example. This guy had five goals at the time of the coaching change. Uh, you know, he led the team last year in goal scoring with 37. He's now one off the pace right now. Robert Thomas and Jake Neighbors lead the team in goals with 18. Kyrie's got 17, so there's a good chance that he's going to end up leading the team once again in goals. And, uh, you know, I talked to Kyrie a lot, man. He's got a lot more confidence. Um, you know, Bannister had the luxury of knowing a lot of these guys, too. I think 12 players on the roster are players that he's coached before in the past, okay. whether it's the uh, American League or – you know, even in the Ontario Hockey League where, you know, he was coaching Jordan Bennington. So he goes way back with those guys. San Antonio, Springfield, he coached a number of teams at the uh, Traverse City Prospect Tournament when these guys were coming in as, uh, as young pros. So um, the familiarity was there more so between the, the player and the coach versus the coach and the player. You know, they, they all knew each other. But I think when the player knows the coach, it's almost even more beneficial than the coach knowing the player. Yeah. You know, so... Um, Listen, it's been a success so far, but the goaltending's been good, and special teams have been way better, specifically on the power play. Well, yeah, I was looking at their power play. It's been uh, 26.8% under Bannister, sixth best in the National Hockey League. What tweaks have they made on the man advantage? Uh, Jake Neighbors on net front. You know, I mean, you mentioned Pareko. He's getting some time on the second unit. But, you know, they, t- they took Braden Shen off of that first unit, and uh, they put Jake Neighbors on the number one unit with, you know, Kairou and Thomas and Buchnevich. Uh Perunovic was a guy, Scotty Perunovic, a former Hobie Baker winner. He's out with an injury right now. He got hurt just before the All-Star break, and he's not quite ready to return. Although he skated today, he looked pretty good. But, again, he's going to need some time. He's got that ankle injury. Um, but, you know, he, he, he's given this power play some pop uh, when he was healthy. Yeah. Just in terms of his playmaking ability, his puck skills, uh, for whatever reason, you know, Krug's kind of been having a little bit of a down year, although, you know, he's putting up some, some assists. He had a five-assist game here a couple of games ago. Um, but I think Jake Neighbors, you know, he's, I think, leading the team in uh, in power play goals yeah. since um, Drew Bannister took over. I think he's tied with somebody, maybe uh, Buchnevich, but he, he's up there. You know, Thomas obviously has been way more productive on the power play, but 
you know, Neighbors is a guy who can score goals in a variety of different ways, but I put him in front of the net on the power play. I think the majority of his goals, almost all of them, have been scored within like 10 feet of the net. But he scored fast break goals. He scored one-time goals. He scored goals on breakaways, on two-on-ones, you know, deflections, tips. Uh, he's a guy that's not only willing to go there, Jason, but he's willing to stay there, you know, which you don't always see in today's game, although maybe it's a little easier to do so because you're not – you know, taking as many as much punishment maybe as you were in the past, but you know, neighbors has been a real positive and a big spark plug for uh, for this power play. Andy Strickland uh, joins us. Uh, orders in St. Louis tonight to uh, take on the Blues, and and you know, Doug Armstrong on an interview with uh, Frank Saravalli a month ago or so had said, you know what, uh, we're we're still open for business. We don't think we're there yet. We we'd like to make some moves and you know, ship some guys off. Now, since then, they've improved and they got themselves in a playoff spot, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that means you're a cup contender just because you're in a wild card spot this season in, in the West because there are lots of good teams in the top six. Do you see the Blues still like in a in a selling mode for certain? And you know, who are the guys that you expect potentially maybe to be moved here in the next three weeks? You know, it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, you have your obvious candidates, guys like Casper Kapanen and guys like Marco Scandella. You know, players who are in. Uh, the final year of their contract. You know, if somebody wants to take Jacob Barana, obviously they would certainly entertain those phone calls, but he's down in the American Hockey League right now. Um, you know, but like I like uh, Nick Letty, for example, you mentioned him. Um, you know, if you're going to make the playoffs, he's a guy, obviously, he's playing a lot right now. His ice time is up since Bannister took over. He's got a ton of experience. He's approaching a thousand games. He's played a ton of playoff games, too. Uh, I would think you'd want him on your roster. You know, he's on your number one pair. You'll see him on the ice a lot tonight against Connor McDavid. And, um, you know, he's got a lot of responsibility for this team. You know, Brandon Saad is a guy that I would think would maybe get some attention from teams with his track record of winning. You know, he's won a couple of Stanley Cups. Uh, he, he basically is the same player, game in and game out. It gives you your 20 goals every single year. Um, and this game's where, you know, he really stands out. And this game's where he, maybe he goes to sleep a little bit. Um you know, I know Pavel Buchnevich's name has been out there. It doesn't make a ton of you know sense for me right yeah. now. Um, to me, that's a player who, I mean, there's a couple ways to really break this down. First off, he's one of your like true drivers here on the team. Yes. I mean, he's one of, the, one of the few guys in the league that can drive a line on the wing versus uh, as a you know, traditional center who you would normally, you know, uh, describe as a, as a driver, you know, mm-hmm. but... You know, he's super respected inside the organization, too. And, you know, he's respected by his teammates. He's respected by the fan base. So he really likes it here. I I know he'd like to stay. Now, listen, whether or not they're going to be able to pay him, and if they want to give a guy at his age, what is he, 27, 28, 29, whatever, somewhere in that range um, term that's going to take him well into his 30s, you know, that, that remains to be seen. And, you know, you look at the salary structure here in St. Louis, you know, Robert Thomas, you know, he's your highest paid player along with Jordan Cairo. And, you know, Buchnevich has pretty much outperformed. He's outscored Cairo since he's been here. You know, he's been pretty much a point-per-game guy, although his production's down a little bit this season. He hasn't been as good this season either as what we've seen from him in the past. Still a really good player, and, you know, he you know finds ways to contribute and impact the game even when he's not scoring, but they need him to get back to producing some offense. But to me, that's a trade that can certainly happen. In the uh, in the offseason, if you're looking to trade Pavel Buchnevich, I mean, you open it up to all teams. Teams have an idea of where they're at from a cap standpoint. Everybody can kind of calm down on where they're at from the season. I mean, 
typically teams that trade for Pavel Buchnevich are, are teams that are in buying mode that are looking to add, you know, in, in preparation for a long run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we all know that those number of teams versus opening it up to the entire league is a little bit different. Now, he's got a, a limited no-trade clause in there as well. I, I know he'd like to stay, man. He really likes it here. He's not looking to jump ship. Um so whether or not there's a contract to be agreed to remains to be seen. But I can tell you this, Doug Armstrong has not gone to his camp at this time to give any indication that he's looking to move him. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, Buchnevich is the name when I saw it out there, Mike. Yeah, I could see why teams would be interested because it's a steal of a deal at uh, at 5.8 for one more year left uh, on the salary. Like Kasperi Kapanen, I'm, I'm not sure how much, you know, how much uh, value he has uh, whatsoever. Now, Sam, Sammy Blay, though, maybe is, you know, he doesn't score a lot, but, you know, he yeah. brings you, you know, at least he has a very distinct style. You know what you're going to get. Energy guy can bang and crash, uh, all those sorts of things. But I do want to talk about one young guy who's uh, maybe a little bit of a late developer, his huge body. I'm watching the Blues lately, and Alexi uh, Torepchenko, man, he has scored some sweet goals as of late. I noticed he got uh, promoted up to the third line here tonight for St. Louis, and he's a huge body, and he just seems to be somebody that's starting to kind of figure it out a little bit. Yeah, he is. And I'll give you another name, too, is Oscar Sundquist. You know, a guy who's won yes. before. He's on a one-year yeah. deal. Yeah. I mean, listen, teams would certainly have some interest in him. He can win some faceoffs and kill penalties, uh, you know, can kind of play that grind game. But again, it's going to be interesting to see where the Blues are at between now and the trade deadline and, and, you know, what Doug Armstrong wants to do. I don't think the recent run has completely, you know, changed his course of action. I think he's a realist and, uh, you know, stays pretty even keel and pretty level-headed, understands what, you know, what he has. and and um, But, you know, you talk about Sammy Blay and Sunquist and some of those guys. I mean, even a captain, and we're not talking about getting first-round picks in return, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you can get a first-round pick, and a high-end prospect for Pavel Buchnevich now, you know, I think it's something worth considering. But I think those type of trades uh, typically happen, you know, in the offseason, in the summer. And if the Blues are going to make the playoffs, that is one player you want on your roster without question. Plus, you know, the fans like him an awful lot. So, um so I apologize. Repeat your question there, Jason. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just asking about a guy like Torbchenko. Yeah, I like Torpchenko a lot. Hey, go watch his highlight film on YouTube from when he played uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. I mean, you saw his goal the other day. Oh, God, that was uh, a sweet goal, man. Montreal. Like, yes. You know, he's, he scored goals like that all the time. And listen, I remember talking to him about this a year ago, and I, I was saying, hey, listen, I went back and saw the way that you scored in junior. When are we going to see that in the NHL? And he kind of looked at me and he said, listen, it's coming. I got to play to what my role is. You know, he – He's one of those guys playing to stay in the lineup, right? I mean, he's just trying to, you know, carve out an NHL career. But Craig Berube always saw something in him and really liked him an awful lot um, and felt like he brought some real ability to the table. Now, he's got size. He gets on top of people very, very quickly. Uh, He's quick. He's got great speed. He can be a physical player, you know, a modern-day physical player. Um you know, he doesn't have high-end puck skills, but we saw that the other day that, you know, listen, he can certainly make a play and, you know, create offensive chances for himself. And, you know, recently the puck's been going in. I think his career high is 10. So now he's approaching his career high in terms of, you know, what they expect from him from a goal-scoring standpoint. 
And, you know, he should, you know, get past his career high for numbers, you know. But too often when he's been given a chance in the past, you know, to slide up the lineup, this is not the first time that he's been given that opportunity. He hasn't necessarily taken advantage of it. Like, his game doesn't change a whole lot versus if he's on the fourth line or if he's playing on the third line or even higher up the lineup, doesn't get a whole lot of power play time at all. Um, so, listen, when he gets an opportunity like he's got to get tonight, he's got to take advantage of it. But there's no doubt he's got something there, man. He's got a lot of size, got some length. And he can really skate, and he's not afraid to get in there and put his nose in there and, and strip pucks and get in on the forecheck and create turnovers and create havoc deep in the offensive end. They really, really like him here in the St. Louis Blues organization, and they have you know, for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, why shouldn't they? Big body like that. Just be patient with them and uh, could turn yeah. out. Andy, uh, enjoy the game tonight. We'll see. Uh, one last one. Uh, any idea why the Blues uh, have that much success against McDavid? They're the only team in the league that thus far has allowed uh, less than one point per game. He's got 18 points in 21 career games against the Blues. Isn't that crazy? Listen, and, you know, I'm always reminding myself that, you know, McDavid's first career NHL game was here in St. Louis. Yes. Too, and yeah. I'll never forget because, uh, you know, that was Colton Pareko's first game. That was Joel Edmondson's first game. It was Robbie Fabry's first game as well. And, you know, I, I you know, working TV here with the Blues, I, I talked to each of those three Blues players' families during the course of the game, and I was talking to the late Bob Edmondson, who passed away a couple of years ago, unbelievable guy. And uh, and and Joel got in a fight like right before we did the interview, and he was all pumped up and excited. And you know, Fabry knew Connor McDavid growing up, and Fabry ended up scoring the game-winning goal in the game. But all the hype coming into the game was, and deservedly so, was about Connor McDavid, and his numbers are absolutely crazy. Man, I don't know how they've been able to uh, keep him as locked up as possible, and more so than any other team in the league. Um, but they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have their hands full once again here tonight. It's interesting. Looking at his uh, home road split yep. this season, even under the new coach, I mean, for whatever reason, uh, it's not completely unusual, but even the numbers, you know, they're a little slanted. You know, obviously he's he's productive man, no matter where he plays, but his numbers on the road have not been as McDavid-like as maybe what you would expect, at least under the new head coach. And maybe the Blues have that going for them tonight, but... Hey, listen, once you say they've been able to lock him up, he'll put up five or six points here tonight. So who knows how that's going to go. But, hey, whatever they're doing, man, they just got to find a way to keep it going, although I wouldn't put my money on it. Awesome, Andy. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Okay, anytime, man.